A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no, He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son. Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3.17, that's all. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to episode one of The Master's Dog. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. This is the replacement uh, podcast for Faith and Beliefs Refuted uh, because I'm going to expand. I'm not just going to deal with the Saints Unscripted and their faith and beliefs uh, portion of that podcast. I'm going to respond to all kinds of other people because I'm just seeing more and more where the truth of God is being challenged and uh, blasphemed and all kinds of things throughout politics and the internet. You know, so-called Christian fall- teachers who are false teachers, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, you name it, they're out there and they are profaning the word of God. And just like the quote that you heard at the beginning, um, a dog barks when his master is attacked and I would be a coward if I were to sit by and watch God's word be blasphemed and attacked. So again, this is what I feel God has called me to do, so I'm going to do it couple of things that I, I want to put out there right up front. I don't want to become the heresy hunter uh, 
you know, just bad discernment ministry. There are those out there. I would really like to maintain what I do to be very much like what uh, Justin Peters does. Um, I mean, he's very specific on what he talks about and so on. But he has people who are there to keep him in check. I have elders uh, in the church that I'm in who are I'm hoping will be watching these and letting me know if I'm starting to get a little bit off track or out of hand. Um, welcome you to uh, let me know. I mean, if you're just your feelings are just hurt by the videos and the things that I respond to, I'm not worried about that because if the truth offends you, I can't apologize for that. But if if I'm starting to become just off the rails, uh, offensive for for my own sake and not for the sake of the gospel, I really want to be put in check. Um, I've seen discernment ministries go way off the rails and just become, you know, I mean, just look at what happened to Sean McCraney. I mean, dude is out there. So, um, yeah. I'm really hoping that I have some strong brothers and and even some sisters. If you if you see me say something and and you know, let me know. I'll I'll consider it and uh, and repent if I need to repent. Um, I'm always willing to do that. I'm willing to be corrected. Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm not infallible. The Word of God is infallible. I'm not. So I can make mistakes. I can be wrong. Um, let me know. Fill up the comments. I won't turn them off again. The only thing I have in my comments that I have an issue with is profanity If you're and blasphemy. If you start blaspheming God's name or using a lot of profanity in the... I'll let a couple of things go, but if you're using a lot of profanity in the comments, I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to delete it and probably block you from the channel. So there you have it. We are in episode one of The Master's Dog, the premiere episode, and... Since we've been doing faith and beliefs, we're going to start off with faith and beliefs. But tomorrow I'm going to drop a video responding to Kwaku, still in the Three Mormons. And then there's a couple other things that over the next week I'm probably going to, to do some responses to. You will see a lot more of the Master's Dog than anything else that I do on the Evangelical Norm page um, channel. I'll still stick to let me tell you once a week. Every other week we'll have the fifth seal. And as things come up and uh, albums are released, I read books that need to be reviewed or whatever. You'll you'll check those out on Unsolicited. But The Master's Dog is going to be the... Um, I don't want to say the meat, but the, the um, majority. We'll just go with that word. The majority of what you see on this channel you're going to see because I may do two, three a week. I may do two a day um, depending on what's going on. So I'll probably just do one, but it'll be just a long episode. I'm going to try to keep them all within 30 minutes. Again, if you if you can't watch the video, the audio will be available on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just go and subscribe to The Evangelical Norm. So all that being said, welcome to episode one of the master's dog once again and so today uh we've got uh david with faith and beliefs and he is going to talk about marriage excuse me and whether or not the bible talks about marriage after death so let's just get to it shall we take it away 
David. Okay, how come I don't hear David? Well, because the sound is muted. Oops. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is about... Marriage. Man, I love that movie. Marriage is what brings us together today. Anyway, we're going to talk about a pretty controversial bit of scripture found repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Let's take a gander. It's not that controversial. It's really not. The same day came to him, Christ, the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. There it is. Nobody's married after the resurrection. Plain and simple, right? Well, here's the problem. Right. Latter-day Saints believe in eternal marriage. Death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. And a lot of other Christians agonize over the idea of not being married to their spouse after death. As I've researched this topic, I've read a ton of different interpretations of these verses. Some people just say, no, marriage won't exist. Some people say it will exist. Some say it will sort of exist, but just not in the same way we're used to. The most common interpretation seems to be that God's purpose for instituting marriage was simply to propagate the species. Because people die, we have to be constantly multiplying and replenishing the earth. In the resurrection, people don't die anymore, so there's no longer a need to have children, and therefore no longer a need for marriage, which, gosh, isn't that romantic. At the very beginning of the Bible, we have the creation story. God creates something and afterwards says that it is good. The light, it is good. The earth, it is good. The waters, the planets, the stars, the animals, they're all good. And then God forms Adam, and for the first time he says this, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. God marries Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before death even enters the world. Paradise wasn't complete without Adam and Eve. So if they were married before death was even a factor, it's hard for me to understand why death would change the validity or importance of marriage for us. Anyway, what I've learned is that good people can interpret these verses in different ways. Here are two Latter-day Saint interpretations that I think we should keep in mind. First, recall from the episode we did on the priesthood that there is a lesser priesthood called... All right, let's break down a little bit of what he just said before he gets into this stuff so one i don't know a whole lot of christians who are agonizing about not being married to their spouse in the afterlife once we get to heaven i don't i I don't know one and i know a lot of christians and i've never met one that has agonized over the fact i mean the question has been asked as Christians, we believe, I believe that when I, get to, when I go to heaven and my wife is in heaven, I'll still know her as having been my wife. But the relationship changes as we are justified, we are sanctified, and then we are glorified 
the relationship changes. Again, as Jesus said, they are made as the angels in heaven, neither marrying or giving in marriage. Jesus makes it very clear that marriage is, is it's, there's, there is no marriage in heaven. The angels don't marry, the angels don't reproduce, and we will not reproduce in heaven. There's no scripture or anything like that that gives any indication that we will. Um, but that's not the reason. It's not mar Marriage wasn't instituted just for the simple fact of replenishing the earth, being fruitful and multiply. Marriage is instituted as a picture of the gospel, as a picture of Christ and his church. And so when we are in heaven, we have gone through that ultimate marriage relationship as we have the with Christ, him and his bride. And so my wife and I will both be a part of Christ's bride. We will be worshiping him. It's not like I will forget her or anything else, but our relationship changes. We will be, I mean, we are brother and sister now in Christ, but we are husband and wife when we get there, it will simply be brother and sister in Christ. But I'll still know that she was the woman I was married to. I don't think my feelings are going to change except for uh, a complete change in my sexual desires and so on. What that's going to look like, I don't know. But it's not like I'm going to love her any less. I actually have a, a greater and more perfect love for her, the same love that I will have for all my other brothers and sisters in Christ. But I will still look at her and go, this was a woman that I lived with and I loved and I raised children with and so on. So again, I don't know any Christian that is agonizing over this. And again, death is the the only, except for Jesus gives a, you know, in, in the New Testament of adultery, if you're, if a spouse is unfaithful and violates the covenant of marriage, then divorce is uh, acceptable in God's eyes. Not God hate, always hates divorce. If there can be reconciliation, then there should be. But that's the only point where Jesus gives a biblical reason for divorce other than death. The only time a woman or a man can move on and marry again is at death. That ends the covenant relationship. And so we can move on. Now again, Mormons, as they get into it, they consider, they look at marriage in the afterlife as a polygamous thing. So there is no end to the covenant relationship. They just create a new covenant relationship. But Death was the end of the covenant. Death is the end of every covenant relationship in humankind. The only covenant relationship that extends beyond death is the, re the covenant that we have in Christ's blood as salvation. So, again, I don't know any Christians who are agonizing over this fact. Let's continue on. The Aaronic Priesthood associated with the Law of Moses and a higher Melchizedek priesthood associated with the higher law of Christ. There are also ordinances associated with... And again, let's just point out the fact that because of Christ's sacrifice, the Aaronic priesthood was no longer needed. It is obsolete. It is done away with. And Christ is the only ever priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is, it is unchangeable, untransferable, un... He's the only one that ever will carry the Melchizedek priesthood. No other human being will will hold 
that priesthood. It's not a transferable priesthood. With each priesthood, for example, baptism happens under the authority of the Aaronic priesthood. Eternal marriage happens under the Melchizedek priesthood. The situation posed by the Sadducees... And the only place you find anything in, the, in looking like that is Mormonism. ...dealt with a group of Israelites living under the law of Moses. Naturally, they largely did not have access to the Melchizedek priesthood, or, therefore, eternal marriage. So yes, we totally agree with Christ. Doctrine and Covenants 132 further emphasizes... If a man marry him a wife in the world, and he marry her not by me nor by my word, and he covenant with her so long as he is in the world and she with him, their covenant and marriage are not of force when they are dead, and when they are out of the world. Therefore, they are not bound by any law when they are out of the world. Therefore, when they are out of the world, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are appointed angels in heaven. So my first point is that when Christ says they neither marry nor are given in marriage, it makes sense that he's talking about the specific people the Sadducees mentioned, who did not have access to eternal marriage. Christ isn't saying eternal marriage doesn't exist. He's just saying in this context, this ain't it. But, there's but nowhere, anywhere in the biblical canon will you find any mention of eternal marriage nowhere in biblical canon will you find any mention of the melchizedek priesthood except when melchizedek is talked about in the old testament and then when it is is talked about as christ being a priest after the order of melchizedek um forever um unchangeable untransferable so again all of this is is of no value because it's not there. This is only found in Mormonism, and it was a made-up thing by Joseph Smith. There's more than one way to look at this, even if Christ was talking about marriage in general. the Greek And can we point out the other thing? When Jesus said they'll be like the angels in heaven, he did not say they will become angels in heaven. Human beings in the afterlife do not become angels. We are still glorified human beings. We are different from the angels. We are not angelic beings. We do not become angelic beings. So the angel Moroni is a fallacy because humans do not become angels. Nowhere do we find that. Angels are angels. They are a separate species, if you will, from humans. We are completely different creatures. The word used here for they marry is hamusin. This word used in this tense does not indicate that no one will be in a state of marriage after the resurrection, but rather that resurrected people will not enter into any new marriage contracts. Essentially, it's the difference between being married, the condition, versus getting married, the action. Christ here says nothing about those already married by the time the resurrection arrives. If he wanted to, he could have. There's another standard Greek way to say that. This is consistent... But the... the thing presented to Christ was a man, seven men who were already married. So you've already contradicted your comments and so on. This is exactly what Jesus is addressing. Seven men who had been married to the same woman in life and they all died. So he is. He's not addressing those who didn't marry in this life. So whether Hamosin means uh, getting married or having been married, it still doesn't 
change the fact that this is the people that Jesus is talking about. Consistent with Latter-day Saint doctrine because the rites and ordinances we have access to, like baptism and eternal marriage, have to be performed by mortals in this life or the millennium. If someone dies before having the opportunity to be married, their spirit resides in the spirit world and we mortals can perform those ordinances vicariously in our temples. At that point, they can't do it for themselves. If they choose not to ever accept that ordinance, then, as Christ mentions, they become ministering angels in heaven. James E. Talmadge emphasized, In the resurrection there will be no marrying nor giving in marriage, for all questions of marital status must be settled before that time, under the authority of the holy priesthood, which holds the power to seal in marriage for both time and eternity. So there's another Latter-day Saint interpretation for you to consider. There are even more in the links in the description below. Check them out. If you've got questions on this topic, let me know in the comments, and have a great day. So there we have it. Um, again, it, it's very clear scripturally what marriage is. Marriage was created to create a picture of the gospel. That's why, I mean, procreation is, is a benefit of marriage and, and sexual relationships, but marriage is a picture of the gospel. It is there to show the man representing Christ and the woman representing Christ's bride, the church. And so throughout, there is um, no mention of ever anywhere in scripture of eternal marriage, of marriage extending beyond the mortal sphere. Because when we, again, when those who are, are not saved are going to be cast into a lake of fire, there's no concern of marriage in that sense. And then when we get to heaven, our relationships are all going to be different. They're going to be perfected. They're going to be changed. But our ultimate covenant relationship is going to be the one we have with christ who gave us the salvation that we enjoy so there you have it uh uh scriptural uh biblical evidence biblical worldview of what marriage is um in contrast to what mormons consider marriage to be not a huge deal not you know not something that we go to contend about when we go to, to, to witness to Mormons again, we want to stick with preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel as much as possible. And that's why I always say at the end of every one of these episodes, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.